When you're in the market for a new car, you want a vehicle that conquers your daily commute, easily handles the elements, and looks great too. You need the reliability of a Toyota and the confidence that your investment will last. Why? Because after all the carpools, shopping trips, and weekends out, you want a car that still has plenty of miles left in it and holds its value for a great trade-in deal. That's where Toyota leads the pack as the number one resale value brand for 2024, according to Kelly Blue Book's KBB.com. So check out the all-new, fully redesigned 2025 Camry or test drive a stylish and affordable Corolla sedan or hatchback. And remember, when you choose Toyota, you're not just buying a car for today, you're investing in trade-in value for tomorrow. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals, for more. Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit kellybluebookskbb.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast about how to be happier. This week we'll talk about why you might imitate a spiritual master and we'll talk to Glennon Doyle about her number one best-selling new memoir, Untamed. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and joining me today from L.A., from a hotel room in the desert, is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., but today, Gretchen, I'm in desert hot springs. I just needed to get away for a couple of days, so. Excellent. Communing with nature. Yes, well, I'm sure that while you're away, you're doing some reading, and for listeners who want to do some reading, remember, our next book club choice is Yad Jesse's wonderful, unforgettable novel, Transcendent Kingdom. So get to reading and send us your questions, observations, insights, because we will be talking to her in a few weeks. Yes. And then, Gretchen, we wanted to share um, this from Linda. She was responding to our discussion about getting out of your storage unit. (laughs) Um, She said, I've got a huge garage and a smaller one. Both were crammed with junk. I'd like to sell the house in a few years and have been working hard on minimizing the stuff I own. None of the junk in the garage has been used in years. I thought about having a rummage sale, but the time and work involved is not worth the few hundred dollars that I would make. Similarly, nothing was worth selling individually on Facebook Marketplace or something similar. My solution to getting out of my storage units was to put everything by the road. 
A few people stopped by, but then one guy took everything. He came back with a trailer the next day for more. I feel much lighter. You can move around in the garages, and hopefully other people are benefiting from my unwanted stuff. Well, see, I love this because clearly this guy had a vision for it. Like, yes. what, you know, if you're going to come back with a trailer. Yes. And so she put that stuff out into the world where someone can get the benefit of it. Yes. And it's true. Sometimes the rummage sale is great, but sometimes it's just a lot of work for like not a lot of gain. Right. And you get that feeling of having the space cleared out because she wants to move. And now she has kind of that freedom from getting out of a storage unit because now it's not something that's your responsibility anymore. More. Whether yes. you're paying for it or not, you have to sort of monitor it and take care of it. So, yes. Great so, thing. So, nice job, Linda. Yes. So, this week, our Try This at Home suggestion is to imitate a spiritual master. And we talked about this idea way back in episode 16, but we're bringing it up again right now because it seems like a good Try This at Home for the moment. These are mm. hard times. And Drawing on our spiritual fortitude will help us meet the challenges of the moment. Taking time to think about transcendent matters and admirable figures is something that can be kind of a solace and a help when times are tough. So, Gretch, what does it mean to imitate a spiritual master? Well, this is a really creative, interesting exercise. So first, to imitate a spiritual master, you you have to identify the person who is your spiritual master. And that could be a person from history. That could be a person you know. That could be anyone who you feel like represents ideals for you. Then you have to learn about what they stand for, maybe their life, you know, whether that's by reading books or watching documentaries or listening to interviews or hanging around them if you happen to know your spiritual master. Hmm. And then you have to figure out, well, how would you imitate your spiritual master in your own life? Because often our spiritual masters don't have lives that are very similar to ours. Mm. You know, you have to think about it. And maybe it's somebody from your tradition. Maybe it's someone from outside your tradition. Or maybe it's somebody who doesn't even seem like a traditional choice. It's just like somebody who speaks to you for whatever reason. And that's a really interesting thing to discover. So Gretchen, who is your spiritual master? So I have many, many spiritual masters <laughs> like Winston Churchill, Samuel Johnson, Julia Child, Ben Franklin. But I first got the idea, and I think my most important spiritual master is St. Therese of Lisieux. And again, I am not Catholic, and she is like a, a doctor of the church, so she comes from outside my tradition. But I read her spiritual memoir called Story of a Soul, and it was like I just became instantly so fascinated and and occupied with thoughts of St. Therese. I have shelves and shelves of biographies of her. I've reread Story of a Soul many, many times. I was just thinking, oh, I need to reread it now. Just she speaks to me for whatever reason. That's the thing about a spiritual master. For some reason, this is a person who speaks to you, and she speaks to me with her talk about the little way and her talk about love, and it just really resonates with me. How about you, Elizabeth? Who Who is your spiritual master? Okay. When, well, when we talked about this before, my spiritual master was Barbara Walters, and mm -hmm. she still is. She's kind of an untraditional yes. spiritual master, but there she is. Yes. So she's still a spiritual master, but I've picked a couple of new spiritual masters for this particular time. Mm, yeah. And I think everyone will, will relate to these people. Um, one is Michelle Obama. Mm. And the other is Dr. Fauci. And, and what is it about them that make them spiritual masters for you? Well, you know what it is? It's that both of them just keep going and keep mm. trying to sort of help people no matter what is thrown their way. Mm -hmm. You know, both of them 
have been criticized a lot, in my opinion, very unfairly. Both of them just calmly, rationally keep moving forward. They Mm. persist forward. And I feel like the reason I picked them is because I'm someone who gets the sort of running around like a chicken with my head cut off thing Mm -hmm. very easily. You know, Mm -hmm. I get rattled. I get defeated. I just say, forget it. This is ridiculous. You know, it's too hard. And I kind of panic. And I feel like they never panic. Or if they do, you certainly don't see it. So you feel like their sort of indefatigability and unflappability is something that you look to emulate yourself. Yes. I should absolutely, in a moment, say, what would Michelle Obama or Dr. Fauci do right now? And and emulate that as opposed to what I usually do. Well, and I think that's one of the things that's really interesting about this exercise and why, in a way, it's a know yourself better question is because people would pick different spiritual masters. And I think you're attracted to your spiritual master. Probably it's like research research yes. is me search. Like I, you know, Dolly Parton kind of crept up on me. Obviously, she is yeah. a spiritual master for me because I write about her and think about her all the time. Yeah. And I think for me, it's Dolly Parton's. It's her sense of herself. Mm. And she has this unwavering vision for what she wants for herself and who she is. And she just, and what she wants to put into the world and the good she wants to do in the world. She seems like a really good person, but also a person who is like, has supreme command of herself in her public presentation in a way that I I just so admire. But it took me a while to realize, why am I so, why am I watching interview after interview (laughs) after interview of Dolly Parton? It's like, oh, she has turned into my spiritual master. Yes. And, and, and she, again, doesn't let people sort of sidetrack her. She no. moves forward with what she wants to do. No, she, I remember reading in one of her biographies, which I read, like she fired her whole team at one point because she wanted to start Dollywood. And they were like, well, we don't think you can pull it off. And she's like, okay, well, then I need to find people who, who believe right. in my vision. And it's just like, okay, you know, this is where I'm going. Now, and Alyssa, don't you think in this time when there's so much focus on racial justice, I think that many people are choosing spiritual masters who reflect those values. Yes. And whether that's somebody from the past, like Martin Luther King Jr. or someone. I remember when I was reading Just Mercy with Brian Stevenson, I was thinking like, what an admirable person. I really want to learn more about him. I want to yes. understand where he's coming from and what more he has to say. And so I think that is a way to go deeper into our values. Absolutely. And when you learn about someone important in the world, it helps you learn about yourself, and that helps you move forward in the world the way you want to move forward. Right, right, by identifying your values. So let us know if you do try this at home and how choosing a spiritual master works for you, and who is your spiritual master. It is so fascinating to hear about people's spiritual masters. I will post a link to some of the little happiers and blog posts that I have Mm. done about St. Therese and Dolly Parton uh, and Samuel Johnson. I wrote a whole book about Winston Churchill. So let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to happiercast.com slash 294. This is episode 294, so you can get everything related to this episode. Coming up, we've got another in our series of household happiness hacks. But first, this break. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Gretchen, I am always on the hunt for the perfect t-shirt, and I found it at Quince. So well-priced, such good quality. I am in love with the Slub crew neck tee. I have it in white. I'm getting it in black, possibly multiples. I love it so much. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the costs of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. Okay, Gretchen, it is time for this week's happiness hack. We're doing a short series on what we call household gadgets. (laughs) Very practical tips to make your house more livable. Yes. And this one comes from Beth. She says, when my oldest son started crawling, I was consumed with the fear of him falling down the basement stairs because we forgot to close the door. My husband had the idea to attach an adjustable hold open door closer to the basement door, causing it to automatically shut when we let go. It costs just $15 and is an easy way to gain some peace of mind when chasing after little ones. So... I always thought you just had to accept your fate when it came to a door. Some doors close, some doors stay open. What are you going to do? So it turns out, now, confusingly, these things are called hold open door closers, which I just cannot wrap my mind around it. But you can find these things. They are a household gadget that can make sure that a door closes automatically. And you can imagine with pets, I mean, there's many reasons why there are doors that you would want to close automatically. Yes. So this is a really good idea. I'm on a one-story house. I don't worry about basement stairs, but for those who do. But when we were growing up, Yes. We had some serious basement stairs. Yes. And it was a scary basement there for a while, too. You didn't want to fall into the basement. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks. And today's interview is with Glennon Doyle. We are very excited to be talking to Glennon Doyle. She is the mega best-selling author of the books Carry On Warrior, Love Warrior, and most recently, her number one New York Times bestseller, Untamed. And here's the official description of Untamed. For many years, Glennon Doyle denied her own discontent. Then, while speaking at a conference, she looked at a woman across the room and fell instantly in love. Three words flooded her mind— 
There she is. At first, Glennon assumed these words came to her from on high, but she soon realized that they had come to her from within. This was her own voice, the one she had buried beneath decades of numbing addictions, cultural conditioning, and institutional allegiances. Glennon decided to quit abandoning herself and instead to abandon the world's expectations of her. Untamed is the story of navigating divorce, forming a new blended family, and discovering that the brokenness or wholeness of a family depends not on its structure, but on each member's ability to bring her full self to the table. She's also founder and president of Together Rising, an all-women-led nonprofit organization that supports women, families, and children in crisis. We are so excited to be talking to her today through the magic of technology, of course. Hello, Glennon. Hello. Hey. Glennon, first tell us, where are you and how are you handling the pandemic? I'm in Naples and I'm handling it poorly. (laughs) 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 No, I mean, I don't know. How do you even answer that question now? I feel differently every, I used to say every week and now it feels like I feel differently every hour. I'm usually pretty hopeful and full of energy in the morning and then by the evening I get really sad and I miss my mom and I miss my people and so I'm everything. Yeah. I'm everything. That's probably what most of us are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Changes day to day. So Glennon, with this book, the the title of it is Untamed, which is like such a powerful word and image. And then you start with the with the scene at the zoo. Did you know from the first minute that that was gonna be sort of the central the title and, and a central theme, or did you figure it out after you had written the book? Well, the the title was the absolute last. Ooh, thing. really? Because it seems so um, inevitable. Inevitable. I know. Exactly. I I struggle with titles. I struggle with titles, and often I'm writing the book for so long before I even know what it's about. Mm. Um, oh, I know what you mean. You know, I mean, I knew that I wanted to write about this discontent or this caged feeling that I felt inside of every structure that I was in, whether it was religion or gender or sexuality or even, you know, politics, all of it that I just felt mm, like we're all more than than what than the categories we've been put into. And I was when I saw, you know, as writers, we're always looking for something on the outside that we can point to to get people to understand what we're feeling on the inside. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's like the basis yeah. of writing and yeah. metaphor. Yeah. It drives my kids crazy with all of the metaphors <laughs> I use every day. They're like, mom, it's just a table. It's just a table, mom. <laughs> um, but when I saw that cheetah, that <gasps> cheetah oh. that was made for wide open spaces and was being forced to live this life of captivity, but you could still see her wildness, even though all she'd ever known was captivity. You could see that she still knew that she was meant for more. And when I saw that, I thought, that's it. That's yeah, and you start metaphor. with describing that cheetah, and it really does set up like yes. every single line of the book kind of goes back to that. I'm so glad because that was tricky. I mean, as you all know, you know, when you're creating these things, I mean, nobody, my editor, all of them were like, you're going to start with a cheetah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it was a big question. Like, are people going to get it? Uh That was the question over, are people going to get it? And so it's so amazing now to to see, of course they get it. (laughs) (laughs) They get it. Well, one quotation that really stuck out for us and seemed to sum up what you write about in all three of your books is, being bad had almost killed me, but so had being good. Can Mm. you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, it's interesting when you think about how do we live a life that is ours? 
You know, how mm. do we know that the things that we want and our personalities and like our dreams, how do we know they're from us? And they're not all just planted from the mm. day we're born through our conditioning, right? And when I think about the idea of conformity or rebellion, I think so many of my friends have, and I did for a lot of time in my life, I thought that rebellion was freedom. Mm-hmm. I thought the fact that I am not, because that's how I lived the first half of my life, right? I'm not doing mm-hmm. anything you tell me to do. I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not even going to be mentally healthy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. going right. to be, <laughs> right. I'm right. going to do everything opposite of what culture tells me to do. And then I got so sick, right? As tends to happen. And um, I found that I was pregnant when I had been um, lost to addiction for so long. And then I just immediately thought, oh, okay, well, that didn't work. Rebelling against everything didn't work. So now I'm going to be good. Mm. This is my last chance to, to be good. So I'm going to be good. I'm going to be, I'm just going to look at the world and find out what exactly makes like a good mom and a good mm. wife and a good Christian and a good friend and a, a good teach. I just, I gooded myself to death. Right. Mm. And so in coming out of that, I thought I was sitting with, I think I was talking to Liz Gilbert and I had, um, I was quoting to her, John Steinbeck. I said something like, you know, now that we are done being perfect, we can be good. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I think that's in the book. Yeah. And she said, no, no, I'm too tired. I'm too tired of being good. How about now, <laughs> how about now that we can, now that we're done being good, we can be free. Mm. And I, that's when I started thinking, wait, a good is a cage. Okay. Conformity to what culture tells us is a cage, but so is rebellion mm-hmm. because John- rebellion is still acting in opposition of what they told you to do. It's not creative. It's not creating anything from scratch. It's either doing what they said or doing the opposite still is living in reaction of what they have told you is the thing to do, right? Yeah. John Gardner has this great line where he said, every time you break the law, you pay. And every time you obey the law, you pay. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it, right? So how is there this third way? I mean, my favorite people in the world are the people that figure out the third way, mm-hmm. right? So if it's not freedom to to do what they say, and it's not freedom to do the opposite of what they say, then what is freedom? <laughs> it's figuring out what you say. Yes, <laughs> yes. That is the hardest thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this brings us to this this amazing passage that we want you to read. You set up this hilarious story where, you know, you talk to your mom every day, and you're very, very close. And one night you just say to her, oh, I'm thinking, I'm getting my hair cut tomorrow. I think I'm get, get, thinking about getting bangs. And she calls you at 6 a.m. in the morning, like, I'm sorry to call so early, but I just couldn't sleep. I was thinking about the bangs. I think you're really going to regret <laughs> it. And I just, you know, I just have to stop you. And uh, before you go, and and which is which is wonderful, which is loving, which but, is codependent. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but it makes you, but it makes you stop and pause and sort of have a realization. So, would you read from the page about what 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 your line of thinking, how it evolved from the conversation about the bangs? Yeah, yeah. So, so I say, if my decision to get bangs had kept my mother up all night, you can imagine her reaction to my decision to divorce my husband and marry a woman. I could hear her fear in every question and in the long silences between her questions. But what about the kids? What will their classmates say? The world can be so cruel. She was shaken, and that started to shake me. That day she told me not to get bangs. I didn't. My mother loves me very, very well, so I've always trusted her to know what was right for her, for me. It's not the cruel criticism from folks who hate us that Mm. scares us away from our knowing. 
It's the quiet concern of those who love us. My mom's fear started to pull me away from my knowing. I lost my peace. I became defensive and angry. I spent weeks on the phone with her, explaining myself, trying to convince her that I knew what I was doing and that it would all be okay. One night I was talking to my sister, working myself up, replaying to her my most recent conversation with my mom. My sister interrupted me and said, Glennon, why are you so defensive? Defensiveness is for people who are afraid that what they can have can be taken from them. But you're a grown-ass woman. You can have what you want. No one can take this from you, not even mom. This is yours, Glennon. Abby is yours. We hung up and I thought, my mother loves me and she disagrees with me about what is best for me. I am going to have to decide who I trust more, my mother or myself. For the first time in my life, I decided to trust myself, even though that meant moving in direct opposition to my parents. I decided to please myself instead of my parents. I decided to become responsible for my own life, my own joy, my own family, and I decided to do it with love. That is when I became an adult. Oh, I love that because I think that's so true that sometimes the hardest thing is the quiet concern of the people who love us most, who want to protect us from hurt and disappointment and fear. And it can pull us away. And I just thought yeah. that's such a beautiful example of that. It gives mm -hmm. me chills. I mean, even when we were growing ivy on our house, our mom was concerned it would ruin the walls. And it took me a year to say, you know what? I want ivy on my house and I don't care. <laughs> you know, it's you. They love you and they want what's best. And it is yes. really hard to separate. Yeah. Listen, I know. Women, I know people who are the fiercest, most independent activists who are screaming on the, you know, <laughs> yeah. who are screaming behind podiums, freedom for all, freedom for all. And then they are just scared to death of their moms, of yeah. disappointing their moms. Like this is the final frontier. <laughs> but then it's also a good reminder on the other side like I don't know best others have to make their own decisions yes. and like I feel so confident that I know about the bangs or about yes. the marriage or whatever well I think Tricky. that with my daughter with my daughter I mean one of the most important things I've ever said to her and I try to remind her as often as possible she she came home one day and she said Chase her older brother Chase wants me to do all these clubs in high school that he did and I don't want to do them and and I said well don't do them so what? Mm. And she said, well, I don't want to disappoint him. Mm. And I said, honey, your job throughout your entire life is to disappoint as many people as it takes so that you never disappoint yourself. Mm. And she said, even you? And I said, <laughs> and I said especially me. Right? Like yeah. our moms, our parents have these plans for us, these expectations. And they are rooted in their expectations and in their generation and in their time, right? And so it's almost like we don't become um, responsible, unique individuals until we become disobedient children, right? Until we yeah. we figure out that the best way to honor our parents is to is to trust the people they raised, which is ourselves. Right. So, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So Glennon, I wanted to ask you, I have a friend who's a young television writer. I'm a TV writer. And she was so intimidated at work because it's, you know, it's an intimidating environment. And then she read Untamed. 
And she said, now, like, I just have to be bold and I want to be bold. And it really changed her approach to being at work. It feels to me like you really found your boldness through writing. As soon as you started to write, it just changed everything. But what's your advice for someone who wants to be bold, but doesn't have that particular outlet? How can Mm -hmm. we start to do this, Mm -hmm. you know, to be ourselves? Well, I mean, that's what I would go to is what you just said that it's to me being untamed, which is really just returning to who we were before the world told us who to be, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, who are we underneath all of this social conditioning? It is not necessarily to me always about being bold. Mm. It's about being yourself. So I have two daughters, okay? One is um, her very being since she was very young is just very cautious, and quiet. Mm -hmm. She's a thinker. She's an introvert. She's freaking brilliant. She's an observer. She's so when she starts to be tamed is when people tell her, Oh, come on, you know, be right. right, Just be, be different than you are. What what brave means is being afraid and doing it anyway. That's horseshit, by the way. Like that's not what being brave means. Brave means honoring who you are at your deepest core. Right. Mm. And so and then Emma, my youngest, oh my God, she's just, she's, she's our typical, what we mean, what we, what we, um, when we say wild, like think of her mm-hmm. that she's just loud <laughs> and she's out there and she's always wearing something and saying something and doing something crazy. That's her untamed self. Mm-hmm. So when she gets tamed is when people tell her to reel it in, to not be so bold, to not mm-hmm. be whatever. But what I do fear is that we are, that, that the message we're going to take is like what women need to do is women just need to be louder and like if that's who women are Mm, that's who they that's what they should be right but that's just another cage if we're going to create that idea right who women should be is exactly who they are at their at their truest selves and if their truest selves is when they if they feel most in their power when they are observant and quiet that is a superpower right that's actually more who i am in my everyday life. And if who they are is loud and opinionated and out there, then that's who they should be. But there is room for all personalities. And the last thing that feminine want, feminism wants to do is create another cage yeah. that all women have to stay inside of to be successful and powerful. Now, Glenna, before we let you go, we always ask every guest if they have a try this at home tip, something concrete and manageable that people can try in their own day starting tomorrow. So do you have any suggestions for our listeners? Okay. So I was thinking about this this morning because I know you, this is a thing. Okay. So this is what I've been doing (laughs) lately. So I tend towards dramatic thinking, which means that at least once in the day, I think I need like a new personality and a new job, (laughs) a new religion and a new city and a new family. And, you know, I just, everything is just terrible. (laughs) And then what I usually need is like a glass of water. Okay. Like that. It's the little things that that reel me in, not the Mm -hmm. big things. So however, Gretchen, I cannot drink water. Like I'm, I'm addicted to coffee. I go, Mm. I go to coffee. And and I just. Elizabeth and I drink so much coffee. You You do. You can come with us and we'll drink pots and pots of coffee. (laughs) It just never ends. And then I I look at the coffee and I think, well, I used a lot of water for this. So certainly Uh this counts for my water intake, right? So this is what I started to do. Actually, Abby got me this. So I have this massive 
thermos? I'm going to post a picture it? of this it's online almost, for people who want to see like it. It's like a jug. A, it looks it's like a, a keg. It yeah. looks like a small keg. Yeah, but it's it a has, barrel. It's, it's a kind a of barrel. a barrel. <laughs> yeah, and then every it has little slots. It says 8 a.m., 10 a.m., and you're supposed to drink as much as as um, the time says. And then the cool thing is, is that it's so heavy and terrible to carry around. So you want to drink it so that you don't mm. have to keep carrying it around because it feels like a punishment. <laughs> and I'm just telling you that it's weird, but I have never drank so much water. I feel like it's an accomplishment. There, you know, there's not much we can get accomplished it in quarantine, good. in yes. pandemic life. This yeah. is something that I can crush yeah. every day. <laughs> every day. Every day. Uh, excellent. Nice. Excellent. Well, I'm going to post a picture of it because it is really quite an extraordinary <laughs> This is not your average water bottle. Yes. Um, Glennon, thank you so much. It was so fun to talk to you. I love you too. I love that you're doing this amazing sister work in the world. That's, you know, my sister and I do everything together. We love you and your sister. Thanks for everything that you do. I hope to meet you in person one day. Yes, Yes. one of these days. Coming up, I give myself a demerit related to remote learning. But first, this break. There are some stories about our father's life that I truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, his retelling of the events always brings me joy. Just in time for Father's Day, I found the perfect gift that captures all his stories for our family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your father or father figure's life for years to come. And Gretch, you get a book of all these stories. And I love just keeping a book on the coffee table and anyone from any generation can see a story from dad, like what was his favorite toy or what was his first job? Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash happier. That's storyworth.com slash happier to save $10 on your first purchase. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, and now it is time for Demerits and Gold Stars. And Elizabeth, this is an even-numbered episode, which means that it's your turn to offer a demerit. My demerit is related to remote learning this week. Oh, Oh, the source of so many demerits for so many of us. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) So Jack's school is remote learning for the foreseeable future. So is Eliza Eleanor's, yeah. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. But they send various notices of things Mm -hmm. happening. So it might be like, oh, on Friday is spirit day, wear yellow. Or it might be that you have to drive to school at a certain time to pick up supplies. Mm -hmm. Or it just might be there's a Zoom PTA meeting, you know, Tuesday at five o'clock, whatever it is. Yeah. For some reason, these things just are not landing in my brain. Ah. I normally I'm pretty on top of all that kind of stuff when it comes to school. But I think because it's remote, it just feels very like unreal to me. And I just keep forgetting like every single thing I have to do. 
related to school. And is it because it's kind of coming through this email and, and never turning into live action or? I think so. And it's like, normally I, you know, I, I, when I drop them off, I go in, I see people were chatting. Oh, were you going to the PTA meeting or, you yeah. know, it's just yeah. like present. Yes. Whereas now school is just, and I see the school every day when I drop them off. So it's on my mind, but now it's just like, he's at the kitchen table for six hours. Yeah. And it's just, I'm dissociated from it in some ways. So, although I do like listening in, I do sometimes listen in and I just love hearing um, the classes. But um, so anyway, I just need to like, what I need to obviously do is start putting these things on the calendar, which I'm always resistant to doing. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I've only recently adopted even having a calendar. I used to just remember everything. Yeah. But I feel bad because, you know, school is difficult enough right now. He doesn't need me dropping the ball. Yeah. No, I think it's, yeah, using the calendar for all those things is, makes it so much easier. So it just gets out of your head. Yeah. On the on the plus side, like I forgot a spirit day and he was supposed to wear a certain thing, but then I was just able to, you know, <laughs> hand him a T-shirt to change. Like, ran, ran, to the, ran yeah. to the dresser. <laughs> yeah. So it was but easy to fix that particular that's mistake. True. Yeah, that's true. Okay, Gretch, what is your gold star? Well, I want to give a gold star to all the people who are working for voting. We mentioned this before, but I feel like now I know more and more people. People are writing postcards. People are making calls. I have friends. You had a friend who was a poll worker. Now, I have a couple of friends who I discovered yes, are poll workers. Doing the training. Yeah. Super cool. It's just, this is really important. It's a really important civic value. And it's just, it's exciting to see that people are just, whatever it is. And, you know, we talked about Empower Hour, people using Empower Hour this way. People are just finding all kinds of innovative ways that work with themselves, their schedule, whatever, their skills. I have a friend who's like doing digital marketing and stuff. Text banking is the new thing. Yeah, Yeah, a lot of text banking. Yeah, yeah. So gold star to everyone and for everyone who's figured out their voting plan. We are entering into the zone. So gold star for everyone. And the resources for this week. I have this brand new thing that is super cool. Speaking of sort of texting and SMSing, you can join my brand new Outer Order Inner Calm 30-Day SMS Challenge. You get Mm. daily text messages with an audio message from me that gives you a simple challenge to create more outer order in your home. This is like something that you can do right away that day. Ooh. And uh, a bunch of people helped me beta test this, and 92% they said they would recommend it to a friend. Nice. Uh, it is only available now in the U.S. and Canada, but we are working on trying to make it available internationally. That's just like a technical issue. So go to GretchenRubin.com slash SMS, or I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to check that out. It's really fun. And if you want to know when I'm doing a giveaway or one of my ebooks is on sale or something like that, join my email newsletter at GretchenRubin.com slash newsletter. Of course, that is free. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember, try this at home. Imitate a spiritual master. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you and what spiritual master did you choose and why. We are so interested to know. Thanks to our terrific guest, Glennon Doyle. Read her new memoir, Untamed. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, our engineer, Bob Tabador, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And here it comes. You know what I'm going to say. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us, rate, review us, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Craft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward. 
So, Elizabeth, how's your trip to the desert going? It's good, but you're lucky I made it on time this morning because I got up, put on my robe, went out to get coffee, and I locked myself out of the room, and I had forgotten a mask. (laughs) So I was, like, wandering the property, trying to cover my face, searching for someone to let me in my room, like— and again, chicken with the head cut off, you know, whoever I encountered, I'm like, I have a meeting to get to. I have to get in my room and I have to have coffee. So I was like not the Zen person that is expected to be at the oasis in the desert. Um, but, you know, I need to. You made it. Yeah. Yeah, I made it. From the Onward Project.